Hello, I am Blaze Bailey. You are listening to Sonic Perspectives, probably the best perspective in the world. Welcome to another interview of Sonic Perspectives. I'm Rodrigo, and my guest today is the king of metal and the man who would not die, the one and only Blaze Bailey. Blaze, great to have you with us. Hello, thanks for having me on your perspective. Thanks my for getting me in perspective. <laughs> my pleasure, man. Well, it's my first time interviewing you, and we have a lot to cover, but let me start by asking you the upcoming album, War Within Me. Uh, yeah. the, the title is heavy and intense, but I found the album to be relentlessly optimistic, right? Well, yeah, it's um, a theme that we've carried through the album. We had some ideas. I said to my manager a couple of years ago, well, he said to me, when can I expect your next studio album. And I said, I need two years, man, because <laughs> we just finished this trilogy. We put our heart and soul into it. Every bit of energy and creativity that we had was on that trilogy. So I said, I need two years. So, he, okay. And he found a way to get us through that. We did live albums, which I wanted to do when we bought out, re-released and had anniversary editions of 10th Dimension and as we got closer, you know, there was a couple of ideas I wanted, he a couple of true stories about heroes. I'm always interested in scientists and science and how things work. And the, we came back from South America in February. And then, you know, that was it. It was the start of all of the problems. And yeah. Then the final gig was Burfest in March, which we thought would be cancelled. But that was the last show for a lot of bands, you know, mm -hmm. never played after that. I was I played one of the last shows in Europe, really, the last live concerts. And um, and then we were always going to record in 2020. That was our plan to do less touring, do our writing and recording and our festivals and bring out the album, get, get the album finished by the end of the year for a release. But what happened was, of course, that something got postponed, then mm. the next thing got postponed, <laughs> yeah. then postponement, then it was cancelled. Then it was So what happened was we... We started our writing and then something would be postponed or cancelled. Terrible, terrible tragedy for us. But, oh, well, now we've got a little bit more time mm. with the album. Uh, a festival goes and we've got so many lovely festivals booked. 
I mean, things were very excited about doing. And that goes. But on the other side, that's three extra days that we have to spend on the album and also to spend away from the album quietly, do with it and then come back to it. And for me, I have a personal relationship with a few of my fans and we're on first name terms, people that have supported me and bought everything, no matter what, come to every show that I've done and bought every T-shirt from every tour, no matter what, through thick and thin, through good and bad. And I started to think, well, I don't just want this to have a few positive songs about heroes on. I want this to be a really positive album. And I spoke to Chris about it. And of course, we have this vast amount of experience now from the trilogy, from making things fit together. And I said, Chris, I want this to be positive. I want this to be, when you get to the end of the album, you go, oh, thank goodness, it's the Blaze Bailey album. <laughs> oh, you get to the end, and I want you to feel better than you did at the beginning, or I want you to hate it completely because <laughs> it's so metal and so traditional metal that there's nothing new or groundbreaking on it at all. It is just a vibe, a passion about saying, come on, let's take our future in our own hands. And you feel hopeless and you feel down and you feel broken. Well, I felt that way too. Let's take a step together. Let's get back to our knees together. Let's get back on our feet together. Let's do this together. My fans are taking me and putting me in their head. <laughs> and they're putting me in their car and traveling with me. They're putting me on their hi-fi. They're putting me in their bedroom late at night in the dark. Now, when I'm there, what am I going to say? And that's what I was thinking to myself. And each step of the way, Chris and I searched for the appropriate things. Right. Okay. Have we got the lyric? What key is this in to get this tone of voice on this lyric? And which is the most effective place for the voice to sing this melody? Should this be a vocal melody or should this be screaming guitar? And these, these were the conversations. And I mean, Chris just does a fantastic job. I am an absolute arsehole. I'm an <laughs> arsehole. I'm the worst person that you could possibly write a record with. And Chris, it's, Chris it's, he's fantastic at what he does. But... I think the thing that he does most of all, what the thing that makes him a real hero, he puts up with me till the end of an album. You know, I think when Chris gets to the end of the album, Chris Appleton, he goes, I survived another Blaze Bailey album. Oh, because <laughs> oh, I'm like, oh, it's gonna be like, oh. And he, he keeps his nerve and he keeps his patience. 
and we work on these things together, Marley. It's bit by bit. Sometimes they take days. Sometimes it's weeks. Sometimes we have a flash of inspiration. A few minutes, bang, we've got it. The worst thing is well, we look at it in my in my studio, and and we're looking at each other. He's on his workstation with the music software. And I'm on my workstation with the lyrics and everything and listen through to the demo and go, uh, I go, that's really good. Okay, I think that one's done. And then there's quiet. And then Chris will say, well, I'm sorry to say this, mate, but I think <laughs> we need a better chorus. Or we need somewhere. I'm like, what? No! <laughs> then we're searching, and it's then it then it could come in five minutes, or it could be five weeks later. Oh, you just don't know, man. Oh, it's terrible. So it's details. It's a lot of fun, a lot of work. The overriding thing for me, I had. The picture in my mind of my fans at home uh, struggling the same as I was. And I thought, I, I, I have a duty to my fans. I have to make this album positive. I have to create something that when people get it, they go, oh, I've, I, I need... I need something to help me through the Blaze Bailey album. All <laughs> within me. That's what I'm here. And that's wake up. That's go to the gym. That's start. That's, that's one more step. That's getting it right. That's what I wanted it to be. So that was strong. If it does that, I'll be so, so pleased if it does that on even one of the songs. Mm. So um, I'm very, very lucky. And I know I am. I'm so lucky and I'm so grateful to my fans around the world. They've bought things directly from my shop. They've bought the T-shirts that they would have bought if I've been on tour anyway. They've supported me so much. They have made this new album possible. They have made it possible for me to continue my dream of living as a full-time heavy metal musician and singer. So I'd say the biggest part of this album is the support from my fans around the world. It's been incredible. Over the years and through this year, the messages I've had, um, the support that I've had from everybody, it's been absolutely fantastic that's awesome and uh on my first listens just like you said it seems it's a more straight ahead metal album than the trilogy was it an easier process for you coming off of a like a heavy subject or a heavy theme like a trilogy to write this well, one or yeah the there was a certain amount of freedom and we were a bit more relaxed because the trilogy had 
well, we had more than 34 songs, but it ended up around 34 songs, I think it was. Mm. And each one of those songs had to make sense with the central theme and had to be able to relate to another, to each other. And each time we have, where are we in the story? Are we true to the story? What, who is this character? Why is he doing it? And of course, we had a choir. We used piano sometimes. Violin. Backing yeah. voices. We had, yeah, violin, acoustic guitar, uh, classical guitar, you know, lots of different elements to give that the color and intensity and dynamic that it needed to tell this huge story. So when we got to this album, uh, I think it's uh, 11, studio album 11, I think. So we got to this one and we go, um, oh, we're writing some songs and none of them have to relate to any other song. <laughs> what We can just do one song, each one. We just have to relate. There's no characters. There's nothing. So uh, that was really... That was good. That was that felt quite liberating. We love doing the trilogy, and I'm so proud of it. It's my greatest achievement in music. But it was very liberating to go, ah, we're writing this song. What's it called? 18 Flights. Right. It's about the earthquake on the tour. Bang. That's it. It's not about anything else. Does that uh-huh. connect? Those are like, that's it. You know, so so that felt really good. And some of the ideas started that, that we have really old. You know, mm-hmm. well, I'd say really old, a couple of years old. We've had them in the vault for a, a while. We bring them out. They didn't fit with the trilogy. We put them back in. Okay, we'll save that. See how we feel about it later. Or we didn't like them. And then we look at them in a in a new light a couple of years later and go. Actually, if it went there, I think it could work. So, so we did that, and uh, Stephen Hawking, the unstoppable Stephen Hawking, was originally the Hawk, and the chorus that we had for that ended up being a small part in the middle with a totally new part. It's just an incredible evolution that it took. It was a slow start. It was a fast start. It was a fast song. It was a slow song. It slowed down in the middle. It's just all sorts that we did before we played. We played it back and went. No, it's done. <laughs> and uh, those were golden moments, but scary moments because you go, OK, it's done. Yeah, now that's it. We, we've now we start the other side of the production, which is getting the drums involved and the bass parts and all of that. And it's the first album where I never rehearsed with the band. Mm-hmm. And it's good that we had this very strong working relationship. We made three albums together and, you know, we, we got this, everybody can just about put up with me. And <laughs> um, it, it's, it worked really. Martin sent, we, we sent, right, I want this kind of thing. What can you give me? And Martin McNeil has a great groove. And that's what we want. That was the most important thing about what we got from Martin. He would send things back. It would just kind of, 
we'd send him a drum pattern and say, this is what I'm thinking. See what you can do with it. And he'd send us something back to, yeah, and you start tapping your foot. Oh, yeah, it's good. You know, so so that was that was a good side of it, but mm -hmm. it was a weird thing. And, of course, you think something's finished, and then there's this nervousness and anxiety that takes over because mm. only you know about it. Right. And maybe a couple <laughs> of members of the team have heard it and they can't, they, they, nobody can be negative about it, really. Everybody kind of has to agree with you. You know, yeah. there's, there's like one member, one member of the team who, uh, who I don't ask his opinion often because he always tells the truth. <laughs> and uh, I say, uh, and so I, I get stuck, I go, all right, Rich, listen to this. Tell me what you think. And it'll, it'll come back. It'll go, no, it's good. Oh, yeah. Or it'll be, oh, I got really bored in the middle of the hole. <laughs> oh! so, right. And then it, it's, it's an anxiety and a waiting because outside of the team, then you think you've done your best work. You're still not sure. How will people interpret what we have done? What will it do? It's emotion. Mm -hmm. We have chosen these emotions. We have tried to get you, the listener, to feel a certain way. We have reached into your ear, gone down, got the heart, pulled it out the ear, Blown on it and put it back in, feeling a bit better. We hope, but has has it worked? You just don't know, right? And when the first few people outside the team listen to it and they say they like it or they mention a couple of parts, it's just like, oh, it's <laughs> such a relief, man! Such a relief because you can't write. We we don't write to say right we'll do something that we think people will like that's not that's not what it is my fans support me and it's a kind of sacred contract you do what you do you put your feelings down that's what i want from blaze bailey i want honesty of your feelings, of your interpretation, of your emotions. And so that's what we try and do. We can't worry about if anybody likes it when exactly. we're making it. Yeah, we, we can't go, oh, but will the fans like this? Oh, will they understand? We can't do that. We go, is this a good bit? Do I feel it's good? Do you feel it's good? Do we feel great about it? Are we standing up singing it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Then we hope the fans will like it. Because yeah. it's true, it's truth, it's passion, it's what we feel. And so far, we're very, very lucky that most of most people who are outside of the team have actually enjoyed the album. And for me, I only want two reactions. One, I want some people to absolutely hate it and say it's awful and the worst album ever. 
And then I know that I've made a real heavy metal album. <laughs> and then I want my fans to love it as much as my other albums. So that, that's all, really. That, that, right. That's, that's what I want. And yeah. if you hate it, all I'm asking is that you lie about it for a year and just give me a chance. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let me reassure you as a fan that I enjoyed it very much. And you mentioned the gym. Woo! I mean, I run listening to albums and this one is a great feel for my run. So, oh, so yeah. I thought you were going to say that you run listening to albums and this one made you trip up and fall over. It did not. <laughs> for sure not. <laughs> Right. But I think uh, you mentioned that you don't make concessions when you write. The only time where I think you think of, you know, what's the reaction going to be is when you write the chorus. For example, on Pull Yourself Up, where there's a chorus that you, you can definitely hear the crowd singing live on stage. So there, there's that care and attention to detail there where there has to be like a, a massive chorus here and there. Right. Well, what happens is, yeah, this is something I learned in Iron Maiden from Steve Harris. I was so lucky to have that experience. And Steve and Yannick and the rest of the guys, I learned so much. I would take ideas to Steve and he would say, that is great, we can use that. I would take other ideas and he would say, that would work if we do it like this. And other ideas, you go, that's never going to work. Uh -huh. So what I learned was it's actually possible to get the idea that's in your head into rehearsals and onto an album. The way that you, if you work hard, if you're smart, and if you don't compromise. And a lot of times... Steve would look at me because he got this incredible experience of thousands of gigs, must be by now, live. And he would go to me, oh, he, he would go, when we do this live, this bit's going to be great. I don't think, I, I can't see that. I, I don't see that. And then, then yet yeah, there we are, live, doing Sign of the Cross, and it's at the... Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. So, so you have this thing. I'm, I'm very lucky. You have this thing, you have the experience to go, oh, this bit live, this bit would be great. You know, the chorus is something that, you know, we're lucky and it's hard work. Some come with inspiration. Some, it's just work and work and work. Going. That's one of the things that uh, Chris Appleton and I is in our style of writing. We won't give up. We will keep going on an idea, even if we're bored to death, sick of the idea, even if we hate it, we will keep going on it until we get it the way we want to. And that's hours, days, weeks. We don't care but we'll keep going. And so getting to the chorus, for me, there's two parts of it. One is, will I be able to sing this with my fans? That's the first part. And the second part is, am I going to be bored to death after the third show? 
<laughs> you know, am I gonna am I gonna be going after the third show? Am I gonna be going? Oh, not this again. I'm so, and that's where I am. So, so, so we're we're working in this way. It's like, yeah, it's good. But could he also do this? Can he do that? There? Can he do that? So something like uh, pull yourself up. You can. You know, we've done it. We're there rehearsing it in the studio at home and singing it together and singing it at each other, doing it loads of times, going over it. No, do it again. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, it's good. It's good. Oh, I do, you know, and, uh, and that's it. And then, you know, you know, then it's like you've done it and rehearsed it enough times before you record it to know you're really going to enjoy doing this live. And right. every song that we have written for this album, every single one can be played live with no problem whatsoever. We've always, we did that with the trilogy, but we bought a live arrangement, not the studio mm -hmm. arrangement. But with this one, it's really basic. It is right. Guitars. Bass, drums, vocal, there we go. That's it. We have the elements of heavy metal. That's what we have. Now, let's see what we can do. We tread a narrow path. But, gods, Ronnie James Dio has trod this path before us. Tony Iommi has trod this path before us. Robert Plant has trod this path. Jimmy Page has been here. Jimi Hendrix has been here. So we will tread this path and we will fight. We will tread that path and we will come out with it. And that's it, man. That's that's what it was. So it was a, it was a lot, but every one of them was a story and a journey. And not all the songs will make sense the first time you hear it. Mm. So Witch's Night is, that's darker, probably the darkest yeah. song, because at its core, it is something that I touch on often in my lyrics. It's an anti-suicide message. And at my concerts, I say, live here in this moment right now allow yourself to forget everything outside this room be here with me now in this room at this concert don't allow anything else you can't do anything about it whatever yeah. happening outside you can't do nothing about it except if it's an earthquake and then you've got to <laughs> run for your life so you can't do it so be here and that's that's the core message of Witches Night. Right. Is when you're in those dark times, and this isn't easy. I don't say it's easy. I don't say it's easy, but it's where I've been. Mm -hmm. That sometimes in that darkness and in that misery, perhaps you can find a thought that is beautiful from your life and you can stay in that thought 
while you heal and get ready to face the world again. Perhaps you can make that moment your whole life and make your whole life just now, just this moment. Don't, no future, no past, just make it now. And that's the darkness and the optimism of Witch's Night. Mm. Every Storm Ends has kind of a similar theme as well. It's, it's a message of hope, right, towards the end of the album? The true story. Uh. I was going through a terrible time. My relationship was over. And I came back from the tour. And I was living alone. That was it. I was on my own. And that, it was just horrible. Horrible, horrible time. And there is a storm with my name on it. Mm. And there is for all of us at some point in our life. And I didn't think I would get through that. And there's many things that I just didn't think I would be able to get through. But I was in the storm, and the storm will pass. There will always be a dawn after the dark. And sometimes it's as simple as just holding on. And that's what every storm ends is about. It's holding on through this horrible emotional situation and having to face up and that's how i felt those are my feelings and i know that talking to my fans they appreciate when i do share my feelings when i do open myself up and when i do say look this is me this is how i felt then they understand it and it means more to them to know mm -hmm. that, well, we all have these emotions. I'm not special. I'm not uh, better than anybody else. I'm just the same as everybody else. The only thing that makes me different is I'm more lucky than anybody else, you know, because I have incredible support from these wonderful people. I'm just luckier. But we all go through the same problems. We all have the same difficulties. We all have these challenges. There are times for all of us when we don't want to get out of bed and we wish the world would disappear and we want everything just to be about us. But yeah. that can't last. And this, I suppose, was me getting through it. And I had these notes that I'd made and it was one of the very first songs that Chris and I worked on and it was a bit of we did almost everything on my old acoustic guitar and he started picking at something I had these couple of words and we had a verse and a chorus part together and I just yeah this is something and it was one if not the hardest song to finish because the demo that we did just the acoustic guitar and the vocal the vocal performance 
was just like a conversation and it mm. was so natural that when it came to record the final vocal for the song we had about 10 different versions we go oh and it's like uh, it's too aggressive okay the it's too soft the, and then, <laughs> oh, man, round and round and round uh, and, and then he's like you know what let's go back to the demo what did i do on the demo how did i do that and mm. why aren't we getting back to that thing and we just went round and round and then uh, uh, and then chris just said right forget everything absolutely forget everything just bury yourself now i'm going to record you three times and just sing the song three times as if you're singing it to a fan just in front of you telling them about it and that's what i did and that was the final vocal it was a, it was a struggle man we wrestled with it because as well because it was filled with emotion it also made us second guess oh we see is that right mm. is this the best version is this the right place for the journey oh man it was it was tough but in the end the result is incredible and what happened was we're struggling with the order of the album but this is amazing this is the first time i've been able to record an album and the vinyl is the most important part because it's the first cd at the same time so we we have the list of the songs and what we go right what's side a what's side b what's the end of side one what's the start of side two oh man it was just incredible wonderful wonderful thing when we thought about the artwork we could think about the big artwork getting shrunk down not yeah. about little artwork getting blown up so it's it, it, it was really really cool and when when we put the three scientists together and every storm ends at the end yeah it all it all made sense it all made it's like ah and then war within me is the opening track and we wrestled with the start oh we'll have this little bit of thing building up before it and then it'll start oh we'll have these drums going under it it's like and we kept going and as the mix was going on, i said no man it's what we're gonna have is holy diver we need to, we rock is what we need we just right. need we need to be black sabbath we just need to have a big riff at the start that goes this is every battle <laughs> <laughs> and that's it and i was like and chris is and i'm going we need to get those that guitar at the start up a bit chris and he's going i think i said we've got to get it up i said when this comes out of people's speakers in their car they've got to think they've been crushed <laughs> by a meteorite or a comet from space so you start driving you go oh i'll just put the cd on splat fuck it oh what happened 
That's right. what's going on. And he's, oh. Anyway, he did it. He didn't want to do it, but he, he did it. And, of course, it was... When you, you put it on, you hear it, and you haven't heard it for a while, and you, you put it on, you go, bloody hell, what's... <laughs> yeah. It's me, it's me, yeah. <laughs> right. So, it was... I didn't really care about being nice. I didn't care if it fitted. I didn't care about reaching out, being commercial, about broadening my appeal. I like the fans I've got. I'm not really after a lot of new fans. I just want to keep the fans that I have, the people that have supported me. If other people like me, that's great. But when this album comes on and goes into the ears, into the brain, and down to the heart of Blaze Bailey fans, I want them to feel like gods. <laughs> right, right. Uh, tell me about the uh, the mini trilogy that you have there where you talk about three scientists, Alan Turing, Nikola Tesla, and Stephen Hawking. What's the common element between these three guys, aside from being great scientists, of course? Well, I, I've thought about it kind of, it's the advantage that I had of having time mm. after the trilogy to just let ideas naturally come out. And um, I wanted to do a couple of things about real characters and heroes. And Nikola Tesla is a very unusual person. Yeah. And in basically... The motor that he invented and three-phase electricity uh, is it, just incredible. The relationship between magnetism and electricity, it's just it's changed the world, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, just incredible. And he had incredible ideas. The thing that I wanted to focus on was the telepathy of Nikola Tesla. Because when he was very young, then he had a dream of a water wheel and Niagara Falls. Oh, wow. <laughs> and years and years later, he's living in America. He's working for Westinghouse. They're at the big trade show and they get the contract to build the first ever hydroelectric plant at Niagara Falls. Wow. And Westinghouse is saying to all of the engineers, well, how does it work? And they're saying, we don't know exactly. Nikola wouldn't tell us. And <laughs> the equipment that he designed is that so, a lot of it was the biggest thing ever done, 10 times bigger than what, anybody had done in the past and it was that dream coming true that was the inspiration and he wanted to give everybody in the world free electricity he wanted to make power available to everybody for free wherever they were and i think that well that was a possibility mm. you know so I wanted to, to put that into a song and that, that was it. And it was, it was a challenging song. We had this lovely, lovely theme 
going, which started do, 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 do. lovely theme. And I came down, I came into the studio one morning and I said, where's the, um, where's the theme gone? Where's the <laughs> oh, was that Chris goes, I didn't think that was important. Was, oh, no! <laughs> he erased it? Or? <laughs> and then, so I'm like, no! So we got that, got that back, which is the key for me, was the key to the song, but it, that, it wasn't for Chris. And, um, and we got the chorus, and we got one line of the chorus, and, which felt great. And then we had nothing else. So I was repeating this one line. I was sick of it, man. <laughs> I'm like, this can't be it. And Chris was going, well, maybe it goes there, maybe it goes here. And I'm like, but uh, where's the rest of the lyrics? And I'm, oh man, it took ages to do it. Absolutely. <laughs> just, just looking at my computer. Uh, but, well, you know, what? It's like trying to, what rhymes with orange? Nothing. And there's <laughs> nothing. It's like nothing seemed to work for. Tesla, I'm not, I'm not. And you know what? That's the character of the man. He was an awkward, difficult person by all accounts that I've read about him. An awkward, difficult person, but a genius. And so we pursued it and kept going. And then, I don't know, I'll be here at four o'clock in the morning. Uh, <laughs> and, then, oh! and then he would come. And then, and then we got the chorus, but it was, oh, man, that was so tough. But the result, of course, was I'm so proud of. Mm -hmm. Then the Enigma code is the code that the Nazis were using in World War II to communicate with the submarines that were sinking all of the shipping in the Atlantic that was supplying the food for the UK. Alan Turing cracked that code. And you can argue that without his contribution, which of course was top secret and nobody knew about it until years after the war, with freedom of information, without that contribution, without him breaking that code, maybe Great Britain would not have survived and would yeah. have been invaded, you know, because if we're in a stranglehold or, or not or my grandparents, you know. So he is the godfather of modern computing because he invented and made a computer to crack the code, it never been made before. It came out of his head, and they moaned about how it's so incredible, really. And the Turing test is what people have to do to prove that AI is here, and. The point of the Turing test, what you have to do, the machine must deceive a human into thinking that the machine is human. Mm -hmm. Now, 
here we are, we're using technology, we're using computers, things that when I started in music just did not exist. This was impossible when I started, you know, this was on Star Trek and that was it. You know, nobody believed this would happen. But <laughs> here we are, we're using the technology. Yeah. So, AI is coming. People are racing towards artificial intelligence in the same way that people raced towards nuclear weapons and the first atomic bomb. What happens when AI arrives? Elon Musk is talking about this. He's warning about it. What happens when AI actually arrives? What's going to Is it going to be Skynet? Are we going to have Terminators? <laughs> will, will we have Colossus taking over the world and saying, well, look what a mess you've made. If you just did this, it would be okay. And now I'm in control. You are going to do it. Yeah. But here is the real danger. The Turing test says the machine must deceive the human. The human. Right. So, in the end, how will we know? Because the Turing test says the machine must deceive. So we will never, we won't know. This is my prediction. This is my warning. We won't know when AI is achieved yeah. because the machine will be so smart, it will know that it has to deceive us. And so it will deceive us into thinking it is not alive. That right. is what could happen and that's my prediction for the future in 50 years machines will have lied themselves into control uh, might not even take it. too long might not it's even not, take that long yeah, we'll it, might not, it might not take that long so <laughs> we'll that's that's the alan turing yeah and then stephen hawking the unstoppable stephen hawking i wanted to celebrate the man, not the scientist, not the achievements, not the physics or any of that. Because for me, the most important part of his story, the thing that makes Stephen Hawking a hero is he was suffering from motor neuron disease, and the doctor said, you've probably only got three years to live. 49 years later, he's doing a lecture on stage with a crippled, withered body. He can't even speak. Right. But he's there doing a lecture. Hundreds uh, of people listening to him because he refused to accept that just you got i haven't got time i've got too much to do i've got to get on with my work i have all these things to do and he, he that's how he was and so what he did was impossible it was literally impossible for most people 
to actually learn to write and communicate, write a book using your eye movements and your mouth. It's just impossible. Yeah. It's, it can't be done. But he did it anyway, even though it's impossible. He did it anyway. That's a hero. Stephen Hawking said, think about the things that you can do, not the things you can't do. Right. And 49 years, man, he lasted. And I that's what I wanted to pay tribute. The unstoppable Stephen Hawking. The, I mean, just a huge the courage. Yeah. The defiance, the battle that he had. It's incredible. Yeah. And, and I hope, you know, my song is a tiny, tiny tribute to a magnificent, incredible personality, a tough, tough man that survived. I just... He, he did. He, he achieved the impossible. Yeah. You know, for most normal people, what he did was impossible. I think I love... for most geniuses, it, what he did was impossible because oh, most yeah. geniuses aren't, aren't, you know, trapped inside a body that doesn't work. Yeah, I love the line, uh, they don't know everything. Yeah, it's, him, exactly. it's him telling to the scientists or the doc doctors, the doctor, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that's it. And that's something that's happened to me in my own life. Mm. You know that. Well, you know when I, I saw Ronnie James Dio, in Birmingham. When I was a young man, and he changed my life. And I, I from that moment, really, I, I was never the same. And I mm -hmm. wanted to be a heavy metal singer. And I've been so lucky in my life, you know, to have the incredible experiences I've had, the journey that I've had. I am a full-time heavy metal singer. I am a full-time songwriter. And I'm so lucky. And I go back, that young man, and people said, you can't sing. You're never going to make it. Why, why don't you give up? Uh, all, all, all of these things, as if they knew the future. They don't well, know everything. They don't know. <laughs> they don't know. And you know, what? My very, very dear friend was. She went to the doctors, and the doctor said, "You must go straight to hospital." The ambulance took her from the doctors to the hospital. The surgeon came out and said to her said well you've got severe cancer and we can start treatment right away but really i think you've only got a few weeks to live and that was almost 10 years ago wow <laughs> and so that's exactly it's an, exactly the same story it's just my neighbor just a very nice lady who treats me like gold. My neighbors are absolutely wonderful. They never complain about noise or anything like that. They put up with all kinds of things going on here. And that happened to her just the way it happened to Stephen Hawking. So there are times when you've, I believe that you have to take responsibility and you also have to be stubborn and go, yeah, for you, that might happen to you, but I don't have time. 
I've got things to do. So, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm glad the way the song has worked out, and I hope people understand it the same way that you have. Right. And uh, I want to talk also about uh, your live album from last year, Live in Czech, where you play a lot of the songs from the trilogy, but also some selected Iron Maiden cuts. That was in that was recorded in 2019, I believe, which now seems an eternity yeah. ago. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, one well, of the things. Yeah, go ahead. My um, my dream for life. I, I'm I'm tiny. I'm just a very very small artist. I'm completely independent. I'm supported by my fans. People go to my shop online. They come to my shows. I'm not trying to play stadiums. I've done all of that. I'm not trying to be a big thing with a big artist with big shows and all of that. I'm happy the venues that I play. I just want to go back to and sing my new songs. That's mm. it. It's a very, very simple. But in the old days, and I'm so old, <laughs> in the old days when Heavy metal was only in theatres mm. and fest and an occasional festival, and that's like the most is like three thousand people. But generally speaking, from eight hundred to three thousand people, and what happened was bands would sell out, mm. and so they would do two nights at the same venue. Three nights, Iron Maiden did eight nights sold out at Hammersmith Odeon. It was the record until wow. Riverdance. And so I just we had such great memories of those days. And I said to my manager, you know what I really want to do is we, we sold out a couple of gigs on the previous tour. And I said, if we sold out, that means we could do two nights. I said, ask the ask the owner and the promoter if we can do two nights next time. And we could. Oh, man, it's so good because you're there. You're in the same place for two days. You get extra rest. Oh, and it was just so good. And my next tour was building up to be the same. Mm -hmm. So I had two nights at one club in Germany and two nights at Czech Republic in Brno at Malodka. And it was like, oh, this is fantastic, you know. And we and what I wanted to do years ago was a live album at the end of every tour. Because what happens is you go into the studio, you'll, you'll rehearse, You'll record, you'll do the best job that you can. And then the songs that you play live, they'll start coming to life. They'll start having their own character. They'll start fitting into their own groove and they'll have a different feeling. Just a, a subtle, different feeling. And what I wanted was that you got the studio album, you saw the tour. And then you have the live album, which was the set list right. from that tour. So you could go, oh, yeah, that was the great night. You know, and so that's what and, and that's what we did. Okay. And um, 
it's it's challenging doing a live album very yeah. challenging because so much has to be right on the night it's a lot of pressure yeah. but yeah. i yeah. think i don't have anything to do with the mixing or the production of the live album i do have something to do with the set list and all of that but chris produces the live albums chris appleton I leave it completely to him. And he goes for this rawness. He got, he do, not to get it too polished or anything, but just like, right, what is the feeling of being there? It's not perfect. It's not too polished. It's what is it like to be at a Blaze Bailey gig? What's the vibe? How can we get the essence of being with Blaze Bailey at a gig into an album. And I think he's done great oh, with yeah. those live yeah. albums. You know, they're different, but I think what he's done is absolutely great. And if you sit down and you can mellow out, you can get excited and get a great vibe and a good feeling from those albums. I think that's a good thing. I think he's done a great job with those. Yeah, and one thing I noticed, uh, you sing the Iron Maiden songs from your catalog and even like Wasted Years, uh, you sing better than when you were in the band. And I think they are tuned one step down. Did it occur to you to have this idea when you were in the band or, or not? That could never happen. So no? uh, it's just a sadness, really, that that yeah. could happen. Yeah. yeah. So what I like to do, uh, I could never do Wasted Years when I was in Maiden. Mm. Um, so with in situations like that, what I've done is my own versions of those songs. And yeah. I've done a lot with Thomas Fison, the classical guitarist, yeah. and Anna Backer, the classical violinist. And I have um an acoustic, classical acoustic album called December Wind, which has got a lot of these on. And Thomas Fison has got some of these songs on his albums. And there's some nice videos as well that go with those. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy really with, with where I am. Mm -hmm. I had a wonderful time in Iron Maiden. Incredible experience. I learned so much. It gave me a huge amount of confidence in my ability as a songwriter and a musician. And that's never left me really. So yeah. I've been very lucky and I was treated very, very well when I left the band. Um, I got no complaints whatsoever. I sometimes talk to Steve on the phone and, you know, see how he's doing. So, you know, I've got no bad feelings at all. I look back 25 years now 20 odd years I, i look back on that experience as a crazy but wonderful time in my life and i think without that experience those five years those two albums i, I wouldn't be where i am now you know i, right. I wouldn't be a, i wouldn't be a fully independent artist i wouldn't have the confidence to do Three albums at once, almost. Yeah. You know, yeah. I wouldn't, I would never have had that if I hadn't had that experience of being in Iron Maiden. Mm -hmm. And because Iron Maiden is so famous 
and so big, people often make the mistake of thinking that's the biggest thing in my career, but it's not. It's a really big thing that happened 20 something years ago. The really big things that have happened to me are the albums I've made after and the struggles I've had and mm -hmm. getting to this album, War Within Me. This is something that is incredible, impossible to do, but we've done the impossible, so we carried on doing it anyway. You know, it's, right. I have a, 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 a saying that doesn't make sense that I drag out whenever I need to remind myself Mm. that what I'm that it can be done and that is if it was impossible it couldn't be done to remind <laughs> myself that I have actually done what people considered to be impossible right. well actually you you can't do it that's impossible and the answer to that is for you it might be right I've done it, right? So, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I have a question about Wolfsbane. Uh, your yeah, voice, I think. Yeah, working on a new album. Oh, are bit you? By bit, yeah. Uh, cool. Because of all of the lockdown and, and, and everything, we've had a few ideas. We've done a demo of one song. Jeff's written quite a bit. Jace has done quite a bit. Steve's bought a brand new electronic drum kit um to do all the the beats and everything so now the album is finished my album's finished i'm doing interviews and i'm writing the infinite entanglement book oh and cool things calm down when i get most of that done then i'll be full-time on my wolfsbane album i'm very excited about awesome. the next wolfsbane album and it, it's something i'm really looking forward to Again, it's very weird because normally just we get together and just kick a few ideas around. And then suddenly with the genius of Jace Edwards, uh, then it comes, it becomes an album. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Jeff will have half an idea and all of a bit of this, you know, and, and, and suddenly we've got an album. But uh, because we couldn't get together, it's been a lot more challenging than it ever has been. So, but we're going to get it done. I'm very excited. There will be a new Wolfsbane album and it'll be as good as all the other ones. And when the four of us get together, it's just a certain sound that we make. And that's Wolfsbane. You know, it's not, it doesn't sound like anything that I do in my solo albums. Yeah. It just sounds like Wolfsbane, and it's it's some chemistry that happens when the four men are together. So <laughs> everybody's still alive, so we want to make another album while we are. Right. And uh, last question for me. I know everything is more or less at a standstill right now, but uh, what kind of conversations have you been having with promoters, if at I all, these days? I don't have any conversations like that. I hate mm. business. My manager... <laughs> is incredible the best manager i've ever had he has supported me and he made it possible when i said i want to do three albums in three years with three tours he said well that sounds like a lot of work 
<laughs> it didn't say it can't be done. So I've learned over the years, you know, I've had many ups and downs. I've been broke. I've worked day jobs after Iron Maiden. I spent all my money on trying to make it in a band and I failed. And Silicon Messiah failed. Tenth Dimension failed. Blood and Belief failed. So I never got anywhere. I, and I just started from nothing again and again. And now, with my manager, we, we have quite a simple relationship. I fully understand that when it comes to business, I'm rubbish. And <laughs> when it comes to business, he is very good. When it comes to writing songs and performing, I'm very good. That's how we have it. So I don't have nothing to do with business. All I say is, as soon as it's possible, we'll be back. Okay. You know, nobody could know what's happening. The thing is, at the start of all of this, my friends sent me some things that World Health Organization was saying. And they said, if anybody thinks they're going to have live concerts before 2021, they're deluding themselves. And that was yeah. true. That happened. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we all were going, oh, maybe at Christmas, maybe as the year goes on. So for me, my philosophy is try to live now. Plan for the future, because if you get there, you want something good to be happening. Yeah. But try to live now, make the most of the moments that I have now. You don't know what's around the corner. You just, bad things can happen. Difficult things can happen. Storms can come. You just don't know. Be here and try to make the most of it and try to do the best that I can to get through each day. So when live concerts start again, when we're able to do that again, I dream of singing these new songs to my fans. <laughs> it, I dream of it, man. I dream of it. It's one of the most incredible feelings that, I've ever experienced. And if the government knew about it, they would tax it. <laughs> because <I> when <laughs> you write a song and you've put everything into it and you take it onto the stage and you put it out in front of the people that it was for and they sing it back to you, it's just humbling. It's incredible. And I'm so lucky to be able to have that experience it's just incredible so i'm live i'm dreaming of that but i'm not living for it i'm trying to live now i'm trying to write a book mm. and finish my trilogy with with a book that's reasonable to tell the whole story of all the different characters in the trilogy and how it comes together and what's happening behind the scenes so, and then do a Wolfsbane album. That's 
that's the near future. And, you know, sometimes in the fantasy world, I think what it would be like to play a concert again. <laughs> but um, I've got to write a book. I've got to make a Wolfsbane album. And I've got to promote the hell out of this album. Yeah. And I hope that my fans will like it. Well, I'm sure they will. I'm a fan, and I can tell you it's one of your finest hours for sure. Well, thank you very much. Right. It's very fond of you. Blaze, it's been an honor to talk to you. I think it's been one of the highlights of my uh, journalistic career. Uh, thank you so much. All the best with the new album, War Within Me. Thank you very much for having me. We'll see you next time, and good luck. Stay safe. Cheers. Cheers, man. Bye. Bye. Thank you. We have come to the very, very end. After this song, I am not going to the dressing room. I am going over to the merch, to the t-shirts. And if any one of you wants something signed, if you want a photo, that is where I will be until this club closes. Because I want to say thank you to every one of you personally. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being with us on this very special evening. And thank you for making this a fucking great night. Cheers. Thank you so much. When I was down, when I had no record deal, when I had nothing, you emailed me, you wrote me letters saying, carry on. You created the man who would not die.